Good morning, everybody. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors with my weekly economic and market commentary beginning today, Monday, January 23rd, 2023. As a reminder, you can follow me intro week at, uh, on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or on the Twitter at ETF underscore strategist.com. Uh, this is a podcast as well as a pushed email economic commentary. If you wish to listen only, you can subscribe to the podcast via any of the podcast formats. It is called Slaying Bulls and Bears. We look to make the complex and complicated simple and sensical. This presentation has been prepared by us for use with you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Either way, you are expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is purely for informational purposes only. Well, we had our first negative week of 2023 last week, not the end of the world. S&P 500 down about two-thirds of a percent. Mid and small cap stocks hit a little harder, but international markets positive, led by, of course, emerging markets as China continues its reopening. And we continue to see strong performance there. As you know, we have positions in both emerging markets and Chinese stocks. But to be fair, we've got positions in mid-small cap stocks, too, which were down last week. Uh, interest rates ticked ever so slightly lower as uh, the aggregate bond index returned a positive for the week. But high yield, high yield sold off as spreads widened out a little bit on continuing fears of a U.S. recession. And uh, speaking of a U.S. recession, the market, the stock market, is often seen as a good early indicator of what might happen, whether we might get some kind of a um, uh, recession. And it's just interesting uh, to see here, this is the S&P 500, topped out at 4,800 back uh, at the end of 2021. So, you know, a year and a quarter ago, getting close to a year and a half since the market topped, typical bear markets last about that long. Go from 4,800 all the way down to 3,600, a nice, healthy bear market consolidation after an incredibly crazy 100% run-up from the depths of the COVID shutdown to the peak that was over 100%. That was about 111%. Then you get this healthy sub-30% correction. The question is, in everybody's mind, was the bottom back here, 3,600, call it October-ish, or is there another low to go? Because if you see here, a lower high, a lower high, a lower high, possibly a lower high here. So this is what the technicians are really watching. Will we cross above this? This looks like about a 4,030, about a 4030 level, not far from where we are really. If we break out above that, then the next, you know, you're looking at 4,250, 4,300 rather to get up there. Or are the earnings reports we're getting now going to be continue to be not the greatest? Will they get bad, especially as tech starts to report? Add into all of that, we've got a Fed Open Market Committee uh, that meets on February 1. And what, well, what will they do? Will they raise rates 50 basis points? Will they raise only 25? And that is the question. Um, 
at the moment. Okay, economic data last week was largely poor. You say, well, why is the market kind of doing well in 23 if the data continues to get worse? It continues to decelerate. Well, the reason for that is as the data gets worse, that's disinflationary. That means the Fed is nearer to the end of its hiking cycle than the beginning. And therefore, the view is the market could start to bottom out. Some investors like to get in at periods like this because they think it's the bottom. Other investors like to wait to see for more confirmation. We tend to be long-term investors and tend to ride these things out and tend to over and underweight our equity exposure based on where we are in these cycles. But let's start with New York State manufacturing. We got both New York and Philly last week for the month of January. This dropped to minus 32, far worse than expected. You can see this kind of a number is really only consistent with a recession. This is the third lowest reading in the history of the data point. New orders fell significantly. Shipments went into contraction. Employment was the lowest in two years. And the work week, the number of hours given to employees, continued to decline. The only thing that looked better in that report were some of the forward-looking components as some of the manufacturers reported uh, some relief on the pricing side, on the cost of inputs, the inflation side started to show some relief. Similar report from Philly Fed. The Philly Fed survey rose a little bit, but still in negative ground. It was a little better than expected. Here, new orders still were in contraction, but they were better than the last month. Shipments actually turned positive. Employment turned positive, and the work week turned positive. So two different reports, similar parts geographically of the country, kind of two different stories, but neither one of them particularly um, positive. Retail sales for the month of December fell more than expected on top of a fall in November. Uh, a lot of that had to do with declining price of gasoline. So, But take out automobiles and gas, you still had a seven-tenths of a uh, percent decline in the month of December. Ten of 13 categories reported in that report showed um, negative. Yet the market seems to be stabilizing. So why is that? It's, again, it's all about the market expecting things and what's going to happen in the future. And here is something that sort of explains that. As you can see, inflation numbers as measured by PPI, blue line, and core PPI, that backs up food and energy, are rolling over. In December, the PPI fell five-tenths of a percent, far more than expected, and is up 6.2% year-over-year. The consensus was prices would be 6.8% higher. That's a significant beat, and that's significant progress on the fight against inflation. Core PPI rose a tenth. That backs out food and energy, right in line with expectations. 5.5% year-over-year, better than expected. But I highlighted this point in yellow because it's important. With PPI growth, inflation, clearly downshifting, going lower. The consensus forecast for the S&P 500 profit margin tends to improve after tops in the PPI. See, the top is pretty clearly in here back late 2021. And when PPI is growing less than CPI, growing less than the consumer price index, it tends to mean that the the lowest profit margin is now behind you. If consumer prices are going up faster than the producer prices are going up, it makes sense then that profit margins are going up. 
And profit margins can continue to go up if volume is still strong, which it is because we haven't had job losses associated with this downshift in the economy. The next chart shows S&P 500, both operating margins, that's gross margins, and then, uh, excuse me, the blue, blue, the blue is the gross margins over here. Uh, they've downshifted from like 37 and a quarter, 37 and a half percent down to well, 36 percent. Operating margins, the rust line, which is the left scale, operating margins down quite a bit, right? You're down from over 16% to just over 13.5%. So if the little theory about the, the PPI is correct, and this is bottoming, it explains some of the technical action of why the stock market's behaving okay this year. It's because the stock market is beginning to see the end of that cycle. Okay, moving on. We had uh, industrial production capacity utilization fell again after a decline in November, down about seven-tenths, worse than expected. Capacity utilization fell from 79.4 to 78.8. That's this red line here, and you've heard me say this a bunch. When capacity utilization gets to this 80% plus range, that is when you have significant inflationary pressure in the economy. When it rolls off of that, you do not. The Fed is seeing everything I'm seeing. There's no reason they'll, they need to continue to, with these big 50 or 75 basis point hikes. They know that inflation is rolling over and the economy is slowing significantly. Okay, business inventories rose four tenths of a percent, right in line with expectations. Uh, last month, really nothing to see here. Here was an outlier, a surprise reading last week. The initial claims for unemployment dipped below 200,000. Now, I've always said that below 300,000 is a sign of a strong labor market and a really decent, resilient economy. Uh, you get down below 200,000, it's very rare. You can see we did this uh, for a while here in 2022. And then if you got to go back beyond the chart here, all the way back to 20. 18-ish to see numbers like that. Um, the Fed, this is the kind of thing that gives the Fed the ammunition to do the other, which is to continue to raise rates because the jobs market, the labor market continues to be very strong. One market that is not strong and is continuing to get uh, pummeled, of course, is going to be the, um, the housing market. Uh, housing markets are the most susceptible to the Fed's action in, uh, in interest rates. So you can see here the National Association of Home Builders. This is a sentiment reading of the nation's home builders. Uh, it rose from 31 to 35, but that's just a miserable uh, number. Anything below 50 says that their overall sentiment, there's 50. The overall sentiment is uh, negative. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six months in a row of uh, overall pessimism from the housing market, uh, from the housing construction industry. But it was the first increase since December of 21 that broke uh, a record streak. It's now the longest streak, 12 consecutive months of decline in sentiment. So um, watch the housing market industry, see if it starts to stabilize. That's just one month of an uptick. I wouldn't read much into it. Housing starts and permits, very important to determine sentiment. Housing starts in December fell at an annualized pace of 1.4%. That was better than expected, but it was negative. Uh, starts fell 3% overall in 2022. 
First time there's been an annual decline in housing starts since 2009, which was coming off, obviously, of the global um, financial crisis. Building permits also fell in the month, and existing home sales, there's a lot of real estate agents out there getting pretty good at their golf game right now because there's just not homes selling, deals are not closing, and we all know that the volume of real estate agents rises and falls um, with these tides. Existing home sales fell 1.5%, was better than expected, but that was on top of a 7.9% uh, in November. If you look at the number of units selling, you just go back you know, two years, we were at 6.5 million annualized. We are down to 4 million annualized. That's a full third of the volume uh, for real estate agents. It's been a very tough go for them. They are the most directly impacted by these uh, increases in interest rates. The other thing that's happening right now is we're getting into the meat of earnings season for calendar fourth quarter, which can be different things for different companies depending on their fiscal year. This week is when we really get going, but so far, 57 names have reported. Average sales have been about a half a percent above consensus, so the consensus has been pretty accurate. The average earnings has been about 4% above consensus. That's you know, a little lower than normal, but it's not horrific. The price action on the day of the reporting, or the trading period right after reporting, if they report after the close, in tech, healthcare, and consumer staples has been negative, even though they're on average beating estimates. Now, it's still very early because there hasn't been very many names, particularly in tech and communication. The other sectors, that's the other, there's 11, the other sectors have had slightly positive uh, post-report action. Materials, consumer discretionary performing the best. As I mentioned, only one communication, only six tech names are reported. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Less data is less valuable. More data, more valuable. This week, we've got 94 names reporting. Three big tech names, Microsoft, IBM, and Tesla. Now, I call Tesla a tech company that makes automobiles. I wouldn't call them an automobile company, although obviously they could be categorized as such, but very much a technology name. So we'll see how they do, and then the following week we'll really get into it, and that'll be that'll tell us a lot. And uh, we're going to see where these margins go. Margins are going to be important. Obviously, we're talking fourth quarter. What are the kind of guidance do they give us for the first quarter is going to be um, somewhat critical. Plenty of economic data this week. We've got the conference board leading economic index this morning. Uh, I think it was actually it was already reported. It was a little less than that minus seven tenths of a percent. I think it was minus one percent. So not not strong, but more reason that that shouldn't continue to hike. The S&P Global, which is the old market, manufacturing and services for January. So these are flash readings. It's interesting as I, these data points were put on this for me on Friday, but then over the weekend, most all of them, the consensus numbers dropped even more. Saw that when I was uh, double-checking these numbers this morning on manufacturing and services. Those are both contractionary numbers. Weekly jobs claims, as always, on Thursday, fourth quarter GDP, durable goods, new home sales, personal income spending, December core uh, PCE price index. That's important. Look at that. Expected to be no inflation. 
uh, on a month-over-month basis. Obviously, the year-over-year hopefully will continue to decline pending home sales and Michigan consumer sentiment. Thanks for tuning in. See you all again next week.